You're listening to the Lung Academy podcast. The Lung Academy offers you educational and future-focused content created in collaboration with expert physicians that enables the exchange of knowledge, expertise, and best practices in lung cancer care. Welcome to our Lung Academy podcast. I'm Florence Collier from the medical department, and together with our colleagues, today we're pleased to welcome Dr. Willemijn Thelen and Professor Emeritus Johan van Steenkiste. Dr. Willemijn Thelen is a pulmonologist from the Anthony van Leeuwenhoek Hospital in the Netherlands, while Dr. van Steenkiste is a pulmonologist from the EZ Leuven here in Belgium. Today's topic will be around the re-challenge of non-small cell lung cancer patients with immunotherapies, as mentioned in the ESMO guidelines, and its impact on clinical practice. So here come the first questions. What are the main challenges brought by the new ESMO guidelines for second-line treatments of patients with non-oncogenic non-small cell lung cancer? And what were the insights shared during the recent lung cancer events? Well, for the first time, the concept of re-challenge with immunotherapy is mentioned as a possible therapy at the depths both for squamous as well as for non-squamous tumors, be it in selected cases. And then what does it mean for clinical practice? Well, selected cases, it means that the overall treatment recommendation at the time of relapse generally remains the same as in previous ESMO guidelines. And this setting is different for patients who were treated with immuno monotherapy in first line, meaning in Europe those with a PDL1 expression of at least 50% on the tumor cells, and for those who received chemoimmunotherapy. Yeah, so for um, patients that were treated with monotherapy immunotherapy, there is a level 1A recommendation for patients with a performance status uh, 0 to 2. It remains a histology-adapted platinum doublet chemotherapy, so that actually is what previously was first-line treatment before the immune therapy era uh, has now become the second-line treatment. And the patients that were treated with a combination of chemotherapy and immunotherapy, there is a level 1A recommendation also, again, for patients with a performance status for 0 to 2, and that is now docetaxel what previously was the second line after platinum doublet chemotherapy. And we can sometimes combine that docetaxel with anti-angiogenic agents such like nintadenep or remasurimab. So it's a 1A recommendation, as you say. So what about the anti-angiogenics? Can you often combine them in, in second line with docetaxel or is it a minority of patients? Yeah, the difficulty with, I think, the addition of antiangenic uh, agents here is that, you know, the large face eater was positive, but the additional effect of the angiogenic uh, agents was relatively small, even though the costs of these agents are fairly high. So I think it's... Uh, a little bit of the physician's choice whether to add them. And I think in some regions, this has been done very often. But I think especially in the Netherlands, it's not something we often use uh, historically. We use it when indicated, but sometimes we are limited. And I'm talking about nintetanib then. Sometimes we are limited by the gastrointestinal side effects. Mm -hmm. Patients get some abdominal discomfort, get some di diarrhea. But as such, antiangiogenics and Taxanes are a good partner uh, in principle regarding the biology, but in practice it's uh, sometimes not so easy as you say. 
Correct. What now is also added in the uh, ESMO guidelines is uh, some recommendation concerning the combination of paclitaxel with bevacizumab in the ultimate uh, regimen. We do have a lot of experience with that currently, and I think that is a treatment that patients are able to receive pretty well, especially because you don't give a high dose of docetaxel, but because you give lower doses of paclitaxel, you just give them more treatments. So I think that is also, but there is no overall survival benefits uh, known for that combination because it was a small phase two trial, but it is something that we could consider as well in this setting. And among all of those options for second line, where does ICI challenge comes in then? Yeah, well, in both settings, so this means the patients that received immunotherapy, monotherapy as their first line, as well as the patients that received the combination of immunotherapy with a platinum doublet chemotherapy, there is a level of evidence and recommendation in the current guidelines of 3B. And level three means that this evidence is based on prospective or even retrospective non-controlled cohort studies. And the recommendation B means that there is strong to moderate evidence for efficacy. But we have to note that the clinical benefit is limited there. So let's start with the patients that were treated with immune therapy monotherapy in the Keynote 24 trial. There is a long follow-up data for those patients. And here there were 154 patients in the pembrolizumab arm. And 34 of those patients uh, were able to complete the two years of immunotherapy. So these are the long responders. And uh, t- but 12 of these patients eventually did progress and received a rechallenge of the immunotherapy. And within those 12 patients, we did see some responses. So four had again a partial response, and six patients had stable disease. So some efficacy was seen here. Yeah, it's, it's clearly nice, and of course, there's no need to be confirmed in larger numbers. In patients that had chemoimmunotherapy as their first line, the situation is uh, quite different. One of the problems is we cannot filter out how much of the clinical benefit is due to the immunotherapy and how much is due to the chemotherapy, as it always is in combined therapies. And I think the difference between the two situations was nicely illustrated in a pooled analysis of keynote studies presented at the World Lung Cancer Meeting in 2022 by Dr. Rodriguez Abroy and his colleagues. So this raises two questions for me. First of all, I think this is um, a quite easily earned B recommendation in the ESMO guidelines after chemoimmunotherapy. And second, it probably means that after chemoimmunotherapy that has been successful at the time of relapse, we, we might think about resuming chemoimmunotherapy again rather than immunotherapy alone. And I always was... Yeah, assuming that the immunotherapy is key here, but and, 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 and I always doubted a little bit of a synergistic effect between the chemo and the immunotherapy, but it seems that it you know, suggests that there might be some synergistic effects in this combination. So I think it would be very interesting to see what the future holds uh, for this data. Correct what you say. So it means that perhaps at the time of relapse, the synergy may be important again. Yes, yeah, that would be interesting to figure out how this works, yeah. According to that, what are currently the main questions to reflect on before deciding to re-challenge? Yeah, I think that the 
crucial question here is what reason was the previous immune therapy uh, discontinued? Because there are different situations uh, to be considered. Of course, their immunotherapy had stopped because of progressive disease during treatment. But patients could also have stopped because of an immune-related adverse events. And also because of the phase three trials that have been done, patients will stop after two years of treatment. So ongoing response after two years of treatment might also be a reason for, for patients to stop. And I think in the first situations, patients had stopped because of progression, rechallenge, or actually treatment beyond progression what well, might not be the best option or real real challenge might not be the best option. And I think for those patients, we really need to look at alternative treatments. That uh, being said, as long as their performance status, of course, is uh, still uh, zero to two, because otherwise best supportive care is advised in the ESMO guidelines. However, in the case of uh, stopping because of previous immune-related diverse events, I think there are other things to consider, for example, the severity of immune-related adverse events, also the chance that toxicity might reoccur, maybe also the duration of the previous immunotherapy treatment might something to be considered. Was it early on? Did the patient only have a, one or two courses or was the patient almost at the two-year endpoint? Uh, I think the timing of the occurrence of the previous immune-related adverse event might be of influence. We don't know yet, but it might. But several series did report some data on uh, rechallenge after the uh, immunotherapy was stopped for toxicity. So we know a little bit about it. So one of the earliest was several years ago at the ASCO meeting, 80 patients with the rechallenge. And the bottom line is uh, there is important uh, emergence of new toxicity. Actually, 14 patients or 18% had the same immune-related adverse again, again, and eight of these were grade three to five. And uh, another 17 patients, 21%, had another immune-related event other than the initial one. So it means up to 40% had a new event that was clinically important. And in the meanwhile, there are several series in the, in the literature, retrospective series in JAMA Oncology and other journals that confirm the same. About 40 to 50% of the patients will have a new problem. Yeah, but I think it's also of interest to mention here is that there was made an, uh, an important observation regarding uh, patients that rechallenged immunotherapy, even though there was no disease recurrence at the time of rechallenge. This was a retrospective trial of uh, GUO in uh, the clinical lung cancer 2022. And they looked into a retrospective series of a little bit over 1,000 non-small cell lung cancer patients. And 99 of those uh, developed a grade two or higher immune-related adverse event. 50 of these patients were rechallenged, and 59 of these patients discontinued permanently. And they looked uh, whether there was any difference in patient outcomes, and they did not see a difference in PFS and overall survival between the patients that got a rechallenge versus the patient that discontinued permanently. And the uh, best objective response rate of uh, the initial immune therapy treatment was actually the only prognostic factor for these patients. And also to mention that also in this series, 50% of the patients that rechallenged immunotherapy also reoccurred with an uh, immune-related adverse events of grade two and higher. 
Well, the ESBO guidelines by Harlan colleagues uh, give an interesting advice there. In case of grade 3, 4 immune-related adverse event, the advice is to permanently discontinue immunotherapy, with two exceptions, the skin or the thyroid immune-related adverse events. In case of a lower grade, 1, 2 immune-related adverse event, immune therapy can be resumed after a break or appropriate treatment with corticosteroids, although we need to be very careful in case of the more dangerous ones, pulmonary, cardiac or neurological adverse events. And then the, the, the third case, the case of resuming immunotherapy after an initial clinical benefit, we discussed it above. It says for selected patients according to the ESBO guidelines, and we still need a lot of additional data to really filter out who these patients will be in the future. And among those, are there any trials ongoing to assess the answers to those questions? And are there hypotheses that needs to be investigated in the future? There are still so many very important open questions in this field. Let's start, for example, with the optimal duration of immunotherapy. I mean, the two-year treatment period is now what we do as a standard of care, as that was shown in the big uh, phase three trials as beneficial. But is that really necessary? So that is something we really need to figure out. What we also need to figure out is the association between immune-related toxicities and the benefit of immune checkpoint inhibition. Data, retrospectively and exploratory, have suggested that there are might be an association between the two. And I think that knowing this might also aid us in the question whether we want to rechallenge or whether we discontinue uh, permanently and wait for progressive disease to occur before we really want to rechallenge because of the immune-related toxicity. These questions really have not been answered as of today and are really necessary to aid physicians to make the best choices for our patients. And also, what is also very important is how can we identify the long responders versus the patients that will eventually progress and they need uh, further refinement of treatment. Things we also do not know is what is the role of tumor mutation burden. As of now, still, the only marker that we really use to select treatment is pd one expression. Can we maybe, but early PET responses, uh, metabolic responses of the tumor, may, may they aid us in decision-making of duration of treatment or a rechallenge of immune checkpoint inhibition, uh, or also ctDNA responses uh, may, may aid us in this decision-making? There was an, um, an interesting observation that still needs further confirmation and further investigation in the Empower 1 phase 3 clinical trial. And that was the comparison of semiplimab immunomonotherapy versus standard doublet chemotherapy in patients with a PDL1 high tumor. A unique aspect of that phase 3 trial, until now we don't have any other data on that, was that the patients who progressed on semiplimab could cross over to the standard next line. It is a platinum doublet, according to the ESMO guidelines, but they could continue the platinum doublet without or with semiplimab. So some patients had, upon progression of immunotherapy, had a switch to doublet chemotherapy plus continuation of semiplimab. 
And the results were recently reported in Lancet Oncology. And the results with continued semaplumab plus chemotherapy as second-line therapy were quite uh, promising. Of course, this is a concept now, but it is a concept now undergoing further validation in randomized control trials. And finally, there are, there are a light, large number of clinical trials ongoing at this moment. There are so many innovative approaches uh, after the failure of the first line immunotherapy and platinum doublet uh, chemotherapy, whether this is, uh, has been uh, delivered concurrently or sequentially. And I think this would lead us, um, yeah, they, they lead us beyond what the current ESMO guidelines now prescribe, of course, as this is still all uh, research. And it might be a little bit not the topic of this podcast, but I think it, it is important to mention all the endeavors that are currently ongoing. We are looking into a dual immunotherapy. There are all kinds of new immune compounds that are combined with checkpoint inhibition, such as anti-LAC3 antibodies, uh, vaccine uh, trials are ongoing, sometimes with the combination with immune checkpoint inhibition, sometimes combined with chemotherapy, sometimes with anti-angiogenic agents. These approaches until now have not been very successful, as that's the reason why they're still not mentioned in the ESMO guidelines. They are all positioned in all common population. There are no biomarkers available to better select for these patients. So if we do not do any further explorations of the mechanisms of primary or secondary resistance, for example, rebiopsies and uh, at the time of progression, I think it will be very difficult to really get better line than docetaxel uh, in this setting for patients. And these new self-therapy treatments, they are really elaborate and it's really a lot for patients to receive. But it might be promising, but it, I think it's still early days to see what that might bring in the future. Yes, so one of the problems, as you said, is is the lack of biomarkers. And for, for colleagues to understand it, I often refer to the setting of EGFR. When we used first-generation EGFR TKIs, we described the mechanism of resistance T790M, and that exactly was the reason why the targeted development of ozimertinib was so successful, and then later ozimertinib came to first line. But it, we don't do this at all in immunotherapy. We don't look for the mechanisms. We give a new combination to everyone, and that's why, of course, it's much more complex complex in immunotherapy, it's more difficult to use the liquid biopsy, it's a much more complex landscape of interaction between the host and the tumor, but that is probably why the road is so much more difficult in immunotherapy than it is in uh, second-line therapy after targeted agents. Yes, well, I couldn't agree with you more, um, but I think it's going to take a lot of research and a lot of efforts uh, to really uh, get uh, our heads around what is happening with immunotherapy mm -hmm. resistance. Yeah. Sure, sure. All right, thanks a lot. I think we can conclude here. So what would be your main takeaway for the clinical practice? Well, for most patients with a relapse after their first line uh, therapy for advanced non-small cell lung cancer, I think the uh, exiting ESMO guidelines uh, are, are remain valid. There is a level 1A recommendation for histology-adapted platinum doublet chemotherapy after patients received uh, immunomonotherapy and docetaxel with or without an anti-angiogenic uh, agent after uh, the combination was given. Well, as we try to tell you, the data are rather scarce on immunotherapy retreatment at the time of relapse. 
But the ESMO guidelines give this approach a 3B designation that is acknowledging the paucity, the, the, paucity, the little data we have, uh, no randomized or really large-scale prospective data, but nonetheless it is mentioned as an option in selected patients in the current guidelines. Of course, we will need future randomized controlled trials and they will hopefully shed more light on this important uncertainty in our treatment choices. Well, many thanks. This is loud and clear. So I think with that, we can conclude this episode. I'd like to thank our speakers and we hope you enjoyed listening and we wish you all a nice day. <laughs>